Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week... I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Yeah, right. Crazy. Hello and welcome to episode 215 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Well, this weekend we lost Australian comedian Barry Humphreys. He was another one that scared the interviewers because uh, they was never too sure what he was going to do next. I was working in a club in Essex when I was about 24, 25. Um, It was a cabaret club back when cabaret was a thing. Over the course of a month, you'd have like a Temptations one night and then Freddie Starr, the next, Billy Connolly, then the Chippendales, and then, when he was visiting our shores, Dame Edna Everidge, which was, if you're not aware, Barry Humphrey's alter ego. If you go over to my Mizog Art account on Instagram, you'll see a, a photo I just put up of me and Barry Humphrey's as Dame Edna. Fresh-faced and in my mid-twenties, looks like uh, we're going out on a date. At the end of today's episode, there will be a short message on how you can support the podcast via Patreon. So if you like what you hear and you think you might want to help keep it going, then yeah, pop over there. It's the price of a cup of coffee per month. And if not, that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everybody. A couple of weeks ago, I was invited down to HMP Lewis, which is just outside Brighton to do a talk and creative workshop with the guys in there on behalf of Penned Up, which is a literature festival for prisoners. Amazing, right? I gave a talk about my journey from prison to artist and how the Sensations exhibition was a turning point for me all the way back then. 
I told them how I discovered and started to slightly understand the workings of conceptual art. And then at the end of the talk, set them a task of creating their own conceptual artwork. And obviously they haven't got the materials. So it was literally just writing down what they would create if they were able and a few little sketches on the side. And then last week I'd done the same talk and showed the outcomes at the All Saints Art Centre in Lewis. It was a really good way of showing people on the outside of the wall some of the positive things that those on the inside of the wall get up to. And in the audience was good friend of the podcast, Alice Mara. Thank you very much for coming along, Alice. And then just a couple of days ago, prison related again, I guested on the amazing Life After Prison podcast. It's hosted by Zach and Jules, who have both got a lived experience of the criminal justice system. The guests speak of their experiences within prison, and more so, how they were preparing for release and, and what happened thereafter. So it's a very positive podcast. Go and give them a follow on Instagram. But anyway, back to this week's episode, episode 215. Well, today, episode 215, we have Ant Hamlin. We'd followed each other on social media for a while, and then I was lucky enough to be showing with Ant at Fort Stavery's factory project in, I think it was the summer of 21. It was the first time I'd seen his work in person. And I know it's obvious, but the photographs of his work really do him no justice. He makes sculptures out of the same material that Bouncy Castles are made of. And they're created in such a way that they could inflate. Some actually do. But his are shown as sort of deflated inflatables. But less of me telling you all about his work. Let the man do that himself. So please, come with me as I spoke to sculptor Ant Hamlin. Where, where were you based? I'm based in Kingston. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've just uh, I've just moved here actually. I was uh, I was based before in uh, Acton. I had a studio in Acton, well, Park Royal, and now I've got my studios in Kingston. It's basically just behind town, like about ten minute walk from the station. There's a big park called Fairfield Road, and it's just literally behind there. Do you know Kingston? Uh, a little bit. I used to live in Richmond, sort of, or Ham. Oh yeah, Ham. Yeah, because I, I used to go. So I used to live. I used to live in Chiswick. I used to get a bus to the studio, but because before I moved house, I got a bus to. The studio in Kingston, and I know the Ham area. I used to go to the. They used to have like a, a maker lab in Ham. I think I went there a few times as well. And then you've been doing the podcast. It, for, how long have you done the podcast as well? Because I know you're on about two hundred and twenty episodes or something, yeah, right? Four, four years, just over four years. Wow, that's super cool. Yeah, because I've I was looking through all the people you've interviewed and stuff. I was just thinking, man, that's 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 an amazing amount of people you've managed to talk to as well, like from all variations of like you know, people that are well established, people that are just starting, people that are in the middle. When I was putting my exhibitions on, I'd have students, prisoners, homeless people, as well as them A-listers, you know, and everyone in yeah. between. So I thought the uh, the podcast should represent that. It's fascinating as well. Yeah. So how are you getting on the new studio? Yeah, it's really good actually. It's um. It's nice to so before I had a studio, which was um, it was a great studio actually because I just needed a studio. So I got a space in about 2019, and I just took the ex gallery space in this studio block because it was well, a it was available, but it was full of chairs and it was cheaper because I just needed a space. And obviously that was amazing for a few years, but then what sort of happened was I started to get quite distracted, you know, because there was other a lot of artists working in studios around where the um where the studio was, and and obviously like as the practice developed to a point where I wanted to just be kind of getting on and getting getting on more it started to get a bit frustrating then obviously lockdown happened 
And then I was working from home and I kind of developed a way of working at home. And I realized that I was much better working kind of on my own, not necessarily solitary, but I do, I do think there's a lot of solitary confinement as when you're an artist, you do find a lot of the time you are just working on your own. Yeah. Um, and then, so I've got this new studio and it's much nicer because it's got a door, which sounds like a mad thing to say, but having a, having a door is a, is a good thing. So I've got, so now I can just sort of lock myself away and get on and get on really. So yeah, no, get getting on really well. It's, uh, it's nice. Yeah, that is, um, yeah, one of the prerequisites is, uh, is a door. I know it sounds a bit nuts, doesn't it? It's like my studio's got a door now, and it was like, "What?" It's like, yeah, I think, I think when I explain to people, they think I used to have this sort of like outdoor kind of like I don't know, like a tarpaulin with a couple of couple of door on it or something. Um, but no, yeah, so it's 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 better now, and it's walking distance from my house now, so it's uh, it's much more fully fledged. I think I think I've always um, I'd never had a studio before, so I was always just working in like on tiny little tables and wherever I could find a space, you know, in order to sort of fun get in a studio. Well, I go into I did go into a lot of um studios before Zoom came about, before lockdown. Oh yeah, yeah. And um it was it's rare to see one with a window, you know. Yeah, mine's not got a window. My old one did. It had a, it was in an atrium, so it had um it was in like the roof, so it had like, but they didn't open, so it was absolutely baking and then yeah. freezing. But it, uh, the new one doesn't have a window, so yeah, it's still a luxury, I think, to have a big window that opens. Yeah, great, great for tomatoes, but not so good for artists. No, not so good when you're you're, you're literally sweating on what you're making. So like you you draw in or whatever, and you you're dripping. So you like you got a little gutter in over here, and you try, you know, it's, yeah, it didn't didn't wasn't very. In the end, it became not very productive as well, you know. So. So now you've not got a window, but you have got a door. No, I've not got a window, but I've got a door. So maybe the next one will have a window and a door, and then I'll finally feel like I've got, I've got a place. That I can... you've, you've made it as an artist. I've made it then. I mean, I'm a famous artist then. I'm... <laughs> I've, got, I've got a place then. Right, and your work. Yes. Um, if you're aware, I've got seven questions that I ask HR. Okay. All right. First of which is how would you describe what you do to someone that may not know your work? That's, a, that's always that's a good question. It's because that you know that happens a lot when you're out. You know when you meet people, they're sort of ask you say you say you say you know I make I make art or I'm nice or however you word it, and they go oh what sort of work do you make? And it's, it's always that how how do you describe what you make in in a in like a sentence or two? A to keep people interested and B to like actually explain it in a way. So I. I, a lot of the time I say I'll just show you, but I think for the answer to the question, I reckon I, I'm a sculptor. I say I'm a soft sculptor, so I say I'm like a textile. I'm a textile artist or a seamstress or something like that. I usually use those words, and they sort of say, "Oh right, so you sew?" I say, "Yeah," and then I sort of go along the lines of, first of all, I think with the series I'm making at the moment, the flower presses. I always just say, "Did you ever used to press flowers when you were younger?" And they say a lot. Well, sometimes people say no, sometimes people say yeah. And I say, "Okay, so you know, you take the flower and you press it between." The perspex and the and the plywood and you you know create an image like that. I say, well, I, essentially, I'm I'm trying to do that through sculpture. So I, I you know I hand stitch the flowers and I squash them and then other other objects as well. It's not just flowers. And then they sort of go and that that's sort of how I explain it. I sort of say I'm a sculptor. I used to be more of a kinetic sculptor, so I used to make kinetic work. And now I want to sort of explore movement through the static as well as the actual movement. So I think a lot of the work I make it looks like it moves, but it doesn't, or it's like frozen. A frozen movement in time sort of you know like a photograph I, I think I sort of have started to see them as photographs in a way not actually photography but they're sort of still images of something yeah. so that they, they they were squashed at the point of their prime or at the point of they're about to die or at the point and then, and then that's it they're like concealed 
in time and they're transient but they're also very permanent that that's kind of obviously i don't say all that when someone asks me in the pub because you know they'd, they'd be bored but i mainly just wake up yeah yeah i mainly just say i make sort of soft sculpture and you know that 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 would be the way i go now soft sculpture yeah and what do they say once you explain your work and you show them your work it's very it's very interesting to sort of think about what they would sort of I mean, various various responses. I think a lot of the a lot of the time, people sort of say, "Do because I I hand stitch a lot of it as well." So a lot of it's um, so I sort of machine. It's all done in components. So each piece we've made out, I don't know, about, about one hundred and fifty components. There. What material is it? Sorry to, to butt in. What material? No, no, right. is it? So it's various materials. So a lot of the a lot of them are polyurethane coated uh, fabric, which is really lovely to work with because it has the same consistency and texture as a as an inflatable, like a bouncy castle. Well, that's what I was about to say. For anyone that doesn't know it, it does look like a deflated inflatable. Yeah, that's, that's been squashed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the whole concept around the inflatables. I mean, so I've been working with inflatables since for about eight years. Um, and then so but I hold I love that the, the idea of the skin of the inflatable being very um similar to it's not similar to, but I always feel it as if like it's quite similar to the human skin, you know, that it, particularly an inflatable, you know, it requires air or a life force to keep going. And if it hasn't got it, it just sort of deflates and becomes a big, you know, sack of skin, basically. And it's quite fragile as well as quite um strong. And I think that that's quite an interesting idea when you think about like the world that we're in, you know, we're kind of these fragile beings going through this quite tough like exterior everything's quite industrial and we're kind of soft really on our exterior so that's why the the kind of inflatables have always excited me in that way but yes yeah, so this new stuffed and squashed work are quite because that's not the, the first thing people say is how would you get the air to stay in on a on a, on a squashed inflatable work and the, the works that i make for the wall are not inflatable they're squashed but they look like they're inflatable so that's kind of the uh there's a there's a there's a um a parallel between some of the larger stuff that is inflatable I suppose it's about creating an illusion, really. When I first saw the, I don't know if you'd call it, I think maquette would be a bit too much of a word, but I was in like an Argos or a Toys R Us or something like that. Mm. And I saw the smaller version of the inflatables that they sell. They mm. had them um, to one side and they was probably, I don't know, 12 inches square and it'd be yeah. a bouncy castle or a inflatable pool with a slide, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I remember walking through seeing them and I was going, oh, they've got maquettes of these little ones. And I was really excited by <laughs> yes. these, these little ones that they had um, on show, you know. Have, you have one of those on your Instagram. Is it yours or is it? The one I made, so that one I made is is smaller than anyone you can buy. So it was, so the whole idea was to create the world's smallest bouncy castle. Because obviously when, when, when we think about inflatables, usually the first thing we go to is big. You know, and when and a lot of times when inflatable art is made, it's it's big. It's like large versions of things that Stonehenge. we Stonehenge. Yeah, for example. And then um, so I I thought right, well if I could make a tiny one, and it um, it turns out that it's a lot more difficult to make a small one than a large one. And then now I know more about the production of inflatables. I can I can understand why because obviously when you build large ones, you're just stitching together huge sheets that then inflate. But when you when you're when you're doing really small, it it becomes a lot more complicated. You know, with the air airflow and things like that so basically that was an idea that i wanted to create the opposite of what an inflatable would be normally yeah but then i yeah so i i sort of hand i sort of tinkered that one to into its uh 
into its creation. I didn't really have any sewing experience when I made that the first the first bouncy castle. It was more just like fail, fail, try again, try again, getting a massive flap. <laughs> and then and then eventually it, I sort of blew it up and I went, oh, it kind of resembles a bouncy. That's good. And then with a couple of tweaking, and it became a piece. And then I sort of refined it and refined it in, over the over the last few years. <laughs> well, I'd seen you work online for for some time, and then I saw it in person when we were both in Thorpe Stavry's factory project. Yeah. Um, summer before last. And yeah, in person, they're a whole completely different thing to what they are online, obviously. You mm. know, when you see the photograph yeah. um, on social media. And I know that I mean I, I contact you contacted you recently and asked if you could send me an image of the back of your artwork. Yes. I hope you found no disrespect to. No, no, no. I'm fascinated when because I'll always have a look behind an artwork if I'm able, a 2D mm. artwork. If you if I could call yours 2D for a moment, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I looked around the back and and it was beautifully made on the back as well, which uh, yeah, which oh, I thanks. very much enjoyed. And I spoke about that a few times that when I've done talks, pay attention to to every detail and and use yours as an, as an example of it. Oh well, thanks. I, yeah, I think with it, whenever you make something that's even obviously for the factory that the pieces were suspended, so I knew that there'd be a 360 kind of viewing um you know experience but I, I do think that when you make something that is quite precise you try and be quite precise you know with what you're doing I think that the viewer you need every element should have that same element of care because the viewer likes to look what well, I mean I do like if I go and see it work I I like to look at every little bit of it you know the corners the sides the fixings I really I love fixings as well it's I'm such a nerd like I'll go and look at like oh they've used like a a, you know like a, a brass wing nut or something and I'll, and I'll notice all that stuff so I just think if I notice it then then other people notice it and, I, and it, that's where you can get super nerdy with that sort of thing so I think having like recessed split buttons and things like that is just it's it's nice I agree I agree. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> and just yesterday I searched for elegant fixings yeah. with, with you in mind and, and yeah. I'm making something at the moment that is um, ply based but again because of your influence I wanted to make the back look as good as possible elegant and DIY don't really go yeah yeah, yeah you get just flimsy dainty lovely <laughs> little, lovely little fixings that come in that won't hold anything up the wall yeah 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 no well that's oh that's nice but no I appreciate that I appreciate that it's it's nice to that um that you noticed as well you know because that, that sort of thing is is a lot of the time and notice that there's that there's care taken in the backs of the pieces as well did you have creativity in the home growing up? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've always have, I've always been surrounded by creativity. I mean, my dad, my dad's a, a painter. He's an abstract painter, and um, we always just had. I've just, yeah, I've just always been surrounded by creativity, like music. My mum and dad introduced me to a lot of music growing up. Like, so I had some at school. I was always really pushed to do, you know, to work in art and all that sort of thing. I've always been really supported in my uh, in my growing in my art kind of thing growing up. I think I decided quite young that it was what I wanted to do. Um, well, I played football for years, actually, and I was always sort of drawing at the weekends and stuff. And then eventually I actually thought that drawing and doing art was more interesting. But there was no there was never a financial. It was never like, how could I make this? It was always just like, I wonder if this could become a job. You know, I never thought yeah. about it as much. And I just kept doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it and refining it and then make, made it into a, you know, made it into a career. But it was just, yeah, I was always supported, always grew up creative and, you know, yeah. Yeah, and a, a, a lot of artists, it's, it's, a, it's funny because so many artists that I've spoken to at a certain point um, talking about it being a job, <clears throat> so many of them work for 
so much less than minimum wage for so many more hours than a mm. weekly a weekly job you know but mm. yeah perseverance will, will pay off in the end hopefully yeah hopefully i just i think you gotta just keep going and if you i think if you i think if you i think it's all about rhythm if you stop then it's very very difficult to start again even with when you're developing like, like every, not everything you'll make you'll even like i think it's just make make and then make something you don't like make something you don't like and then eventually you'll, you'll like it and then you'll begin to like it a bit more and i think you can never say that you're at any point where you're happy with it you know you're always developing it and changing and the next piece is always more of a push than the piece you've just made and you know i think i just i suppose it's more of a creative I don't even want to use the word journey because that sounds awful, but it's more of a creative just thing you do, isn't it? All the time you just obsessively yeah. make and, you know, and if it, if it becomes something that becomes your, your, your career, then it, then it, you know, that's a bonus. Yeah. Saying about um, making work that isn't quite working. I've been doing these small drawings that are about, yeah. so uh, there was always about 50 to 70 centimeters. And then I decided to go massive with them. And I don't know if you've seen them. I do them with fine liner. So I'd always done them small because they were so time consuming. And I thought, I'm going to go fucking massive with them. <laughs> yeah, so no. I, had a, I had a sort of interview with a gallery that might take me on. So I thought, well, I've got to show that there's a bit of, you know, a bit of something else to them other than these small drawings. So I've done this massive one. Nice. And um, it took me sort of like eight, eight or nine hours a day for like seven days, just doing all these. <laughs> and I've stood back of it and I went, Oh, that is fucking beautiful. I know it sounds big-headed, but... No, I love that moment, mate. I know the oh. moment. It's so good. And I've stood back and I've gone, fucking hell, I love it. <laughs> and then I went, oh, I don't like that bit. And I was like, I'll give yourself a break. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that because you, that Eureka moment, you go, it's in, it's there, I've done it. And then you go, oh, no, hang on, could the whole thing just be a different colour? <laughs> no, 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 stop. No, don't do that. Yeah, it's like that, that little... The, the one on the other shoulder pops up and bursts yeah, the bundle, doesn't it? 100%, know? mate. That is, I think that's absolutely, that's like a curse that everybody gets. But that I like that when you said about that moment where, you know, when you're working so delicately on something and then you step back and finally you see it as the yeah. as the big thing it's supposed to be in. Your first reaction is either like, shit, I've messed that up, <laughs> or yes, I'm in. And that, that, whatever that is, it's yeah. like, that's where you should roll. I think that's yeah. nice. Yeah, don't listen to that little prick on the other shoulder. Yeah, yeah, because if you look at something for too long, that little prick, he'll he'll tell you that, that there's something wrong and you'll end up changing the whole thing. Would you yeah. Say? yeah, I've done that so many times where I've took a picture of a piece of work and then I've, I've sort of changed it so many times and I've gone home and I've laid in bed and I've looked at the original picture and gone, Sh I shouldn't, Sh shouldn't have changed it. It was good two days ago. Why, did you, why have you done that now? Yeah, yeah. No, no, 100%, 100%. That's so funny. Well, when I'm... When I'm giving like workshops and stuff and, and the people ask me, even even artists who are established say to me, like, you know, when did when do I think an artwork is finished? And I'll just say, well, look, when it comes to that point that we're talking about, when you go, oh, that's it. Yeah. Fucking sign it. No, that is finished. Signed it, that's it. It's job. Yeah, it's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Like your whole what you're making and your whole, you know, that's not finished. But the whole if you make to do it, sign it, because then it's done. If even if there's something on there you don't you don't like. A lot of the time, no one else will notice what you don't like as well. You know, like you see people and go, yeah, it's cool, but don't look down there because there's something I don't know. No one will notice that. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's just like, you know. But yeah. So that is when it's that is when it's finished because there's this, isn't there, a, it's like a, um, some music, a lot of musicians have it where they can't, um, they can't finish a piece of music. They just, they just keep composing and composing and changing and changing and changing. I can't remember who it is, but I think I heard someone, I think it might be Radiohead, it, um, Tom York, he just keeps, 
he's such a genius that he just keeps he keeps changing it changing it changing it to the point where they're like right we need to finish this track because it's just <laughs> it's just we just keep making music and music and it can't be finished so i think at some point yeah you have just got to go right it's done next move on it's finished, <laughs> finished. It's finished. Well, i listened to a podcast with do you know gary delaney the comedian I think, yeah, I've heard of him, actually, he's, yeah. He's a one-liner, and he's <laughs> very much the comedian's comedian, you know. Right, okay, yeah. And um, he was saying that when he was on Live at Apollo, there was like three and a half thousand people in the crowd, but there was one person that he could see that wasn't laughing as much as the others. Right. And he, he saw the whole night as a fucking failure because he was focusing on that person. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. he was trying to make that person laugh. He'd already got the other three and a half thousand, in the <laughs> but he was concentrating on this person in the third row back or whatever, you know. Just really looking stern at him, just yeah. staring him down. And, and he, he was saying like, it, it was as if it was a failure and no one in the world saw that person other no, than him. But it ruined his whole psyche. Yeah, and he couldn't, yeah, no, no, I can see that. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, it's a question I asked everyone, and Which piece that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection? Ooh, that's a really, really good question. I think I do. I think that we were talking about the bouncy castle earlier. I think that that I, I think all the work I'm making at the moment has a strong personal connection because I think I'm um, I'm really aware of kind of nostalgia as a as a um, as both a nice thing and a and a kind of scary thing, you know. And I think I think one of my biggest fears is is time. I know that sounds a bit nuts, but I think you know it's something that's always moving and always you know it's always moving into one place which sounds a bit morbid but so I think a lot of the work I'm making now is about kind of trying to slow that down and like creating a moment where things are just frozen in time within their beauty you know and I think that the bouncy castle and and the pressed flowers are both really resonant of that particularly the bouncy castle in that it was the kind of thing that you associate very much with childhood but as you get older you know you're more you're less interested in I suppose it's, you're more interested in having commodities, more, more interested in a lot of the time. I mean, obviously people go traveling and obviously people are more interested in experience a lot of the time. I understand that, but you know, it's, it's a lot of the things it's like things suddenly you get stuff, you know, you get stuff, you, you get a house, you get, you get objects, you get a car, you get, and all, all of a sudden that your, your priorities change from just pure all out fun into need to kind of adult a bit now. So you kind of, you have objects and you have things that you, you place value on. Whereas when you're younger, you place value on a lot of different things. And now you place value on different. So putting a, making a tiny bouncy castle and putting it in a locked box is kind of my, my way of sort of understanding that I'm, I am now an adult and I, you know, I do need to now think of, about various different things in a different way. And I think the same with the flower presses as well. You know, it's, 
I suppose we're always trying to contain things and own things. Whereas when we're young, we, we're not, we don't really think about that because everything sort of just plays out for us, don't it? So I think that the work I'm making now is the most resonant to me personally. I think that's why I'm really enjoying making it. Well, the work I've seen of yours has only been the, um, the plastic looking material. Yeah. I get the reaction that you're trying to evoke that, nostalgic fun element and seeing it squashed down and I've seen a few bouncy castles when they've come out the box or out the van yeah. you know they are very creased up literally had the life sucked out of them yeah um, and when you see a bouncy castle coming to life and it only it might take five minutes to be inflated yeah just as we was talking there I was thinking about you know the stop motion when they show you a seed mm -hmm. and it, it you know, you see it working its way through the dirt over yeah. a matter of months and then it flourishes yeah. and then dies again. Have you ever thought about doing a stop motion with one of yours being inflated, you know, and then deflating again? Yeah. It's funny you should ask about the uh, stop motion because years ago I made a piece. Um, it was one of the first pieces I ever made. I made it in about 2015. It was called The Boost Project. Basically what it is, is it's, um, it was like a five metre by five metre inflatable ball that was suspended and it had its own facebook instagram and twitter accounts <laughs> nice. and as in it acted as a person on these accounts you know if you, you could follow it you could tweet it you could like it and every time it received an interaction it, it injected a little bit of air into it so the more it was talked about and the more it became like this popular thing the bigger and bigger and bigger it got until it became this massive swollen thing in this space and what we did was we filmed it as a as a, as a time lapse over a period of about two days and the, the footage is amazing because it just it just sort of becomes this, yeah, like you say, it almost looks like it could have been staged because it's like really staggered, like kind of up, down, like yeah, that. And it just yeah, keeps going yeah. like that. And it, what you basically get is this video of a lung. Oh, like yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's amazing. It takes on this completely different form. And then it really, really, because I was talking earlier about how it's the inflatable, I find it quite similar to a human, to a human being, you know, human body. And when you look at a stop motion of a inflatable going up and down, it really does kind of make you feel about like how we breathe and the rhythm of breath and the rhythm of a heartbeat and it really made me and I think maybe that stop motion actually became what I took from that piece moving forwards was that idea of a breathing lung you know and you turn a blower on and off and it, it can open and close it can make things yeah it can make things move and you know I've used that again in in other works that opening and closing like I made some I made the giant daisies in the in the restaurant in London they you know they open and close throughout the day again it's that symbol of life and I life. wasn't aware of that sorry oh yeah so there's a piece of work in a, in a restaurant in Paddington it's called Bloom it's a seven meter long daisy chain that opens its petals and closes them every sort of hour and 45 minutes it's to symbolize the kind of birth of a new day because daisies will open their heads every morning and close them at night, very similar to humans again. So this whole this whole thing is about anthropomorphism, really. It's, it's kind of um giving human characteristics to stuff that, that doesn't have them or, or or finding human characteristics in objects and materials. Um and that, we all yeah. do that. We all do that all the time, even if you look at something and it looks like it's got eyes, <laughs> you know, like you see them hooks that look like an octopus that wants to fight you, you know, those sort of things, yeah. you know. Yeah, so it's, yeah, like making um visual metaphors that that kind of explore the you know explore the human in, in the fragile and the not so fragile way I think that's what's exciting to me you know that's what that's why I've been making what I've been making over the last sort of eight years in, in various capacities it's all about that the kind of shifting enthusiasm of just just you know just being alive really yeah, beautiful 
Well, I uh, well, I apologise for having an idea that you had several years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I could do it again. I should, I should, I should explore it a bit more. I think. And if there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Mate, what a question! Oh my god, um, my ideal group show. Ah, oh, that's a mad question. Uh, okay, let me think. I'd probably have everyone coming in to do you remember John Cage's 433, which is like that, just that silent piece. So basically, John Cage uh, composed a piece of music, it's four minutes, 33 seconds long, of yes, complete sorry. silence. I, I've always talked about, I always referenced that piece because I just find it hilarious, but brilliant as well. So I think that everyone would walk into that because it's awkward and there's nothing more awkward than just total silence when you first meet people. Um, and then, oh, mate, I don't even know. Um, I think it would be probably a sculpture show, to be honest. Um, probably some Bruce Nomans. Nice. Uh, ooh, oh my God. It's very hard. It's very, very hard. I'd probably have some contemporary work in there, actually, as well as a lot of very, very, very good contemporary painters. Um, I, so I, I'm very, very much influenced in musicians as well as, as artists. You know, I've always kind of found a lot of inspiration through musicians more than artists a lot of the time actually you know I think in history I'd, I'd love to be around the table with people like um, Nick Cave you know Patti Smith people like that people that were very very poetic in their time but also produced really visual visually beautiful work as well and then um, in the visual art wise definitely Bruce and, I think it's, just, it's funny isn't it because the work and the person are two very different things you know like oh, to have them around the dinner table might not they might be they might be they might not be very good dinner people but they might make really interesting work you know Bruce Nauman he he sent me a, a catalogue and a letter while I was away really yeah no way how how did he how did it get round that how did how did that even come about when the big artists in the UK started writing to me I used to get the Guardian on a Sunday or Saturday one of the two and there'd be the gallery listings every week in there right so I would write a letter to the gallery or to the artist via the gallery and then uh, I'd done one to him and Cindy Sherman. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, both of whom replied with a catalogue. Wow. And Bruce Nelman sent me, it was more like, you know, the old annuals you used to get. Yeah, yeah. It was more like one of those than a catalogue, you know. Wow. And, um, like an almanac. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I hadn't heard of him, but when I'm getting these catalogues from Sarah Lucas, for instance, and yeah, yeah. talking about Bruce Nelman or whomever, then I'll, I'll write that name down and go, right, so I don't know that. Because I, I knew nothing about art. At this mm -hmm. point. I'm learning what these other artists are telling me. So I'm just fucking absorbing everything and writing to, to anyone, because I don't know if they're on the, the second rung of the ladder or off the scale. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. They mean nothing to me. But that's nice that you had no filter. You could just ping off anything. It wasn't like there was any hierarchy. You just no. pinged off whoever you wanted to talk Man, to. Well, even the ones I was writing to, the only artists I knew of at that point was Sarah Lucas, I'm um, sorry, Tracy Emin, because she was Tracy Emin. Yeah, Same cool. with Damien Hurst. Yeah, yeah. And the only other artist I knew from that ilk was um, uh, Marcus Harvey, because he'd done the um, the Myra Hindley, which was... Oh, God, yeah. Time. Yeah, that famous. So yeah, yeah. It was them three out of that lot were the only ones I knew, and I didn't know how famous they were. I just figured they were famous because they was in the papers or yeah, they was in yeah. this big exhibition that was on the news at the time. And it wasn't until like they was, you know, I'd, I'd have them back from Rachel Whiteread and Anthony Gormley yeah. and all of this sort of thing, which they were just names I didn't know. 
and then once you realize you go all right so they, they wow <laughs> yeah oh god i went to his um, i've been to a couple of his shows but i did i went to his he had a tape room a few years ago and it, yeah, it's I've just to that also I just find him fascinating, like the, his his um his variety of his materials as well. The way that he he'll some of it will be neon, then you'll just get like a rotating ceramic animal sculpture, and then you get a video of someone just washing their hands for. Twi- I just think it, the whole thing is so. I just think it's beautiful. Actually, I, I re- he's become definitely my favourite over the years. I think um, and he's, he's just a solitary artist who works on his in his studio on a ranch in the middle of nowhere. Just gets on with it, you know. I think he's very. I always think like it's very similar actually to someone like Leonard Cohen because he was he's someone that I've always sort of loved as well. And he's but he, you know he was a total recluse, just wrote and sang and and he he has such a variety of you know a lot of people say oh every Leonard Cohen song sounds the same but they they don't you know if you actually listen to it you I'm know very much with you with Leonard Cohen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone's sort of going, it's just the same. It's not actually if you really listen, it's not everything's it's just a story. It's a story and it's completely everything's beautiful. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, well, not beautiful. A lot of it's really perverted and messed up, but that's also beautiful, you know, in what he's talking yeah. about. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I think um, Noman Noman is a is a is a fascinating character, you know, and I think um, Kusama's a fascinating character. And the fact that she's um, she's still have you seen all that new stuff she's been doing with Louis Vuitton? Yeah, I've, I've not seen it physically, only online. And mm. when there's a massive brands and artists working together, I, I'm always a little bit. It's, it's always a bit strange, isn't it? I think that, that obviously Kasama kind of gets away with it because although it's a big brand, it's still very much Kasama's work. It's not like she's reappropriated any of that. I don't think she's really gone down the route of doing much. With, it's still her, you know, it's still just her doing the dots and all that. And I mean, it, it's, I mean, whatever you think about it, it's okay. But it's more to the fact that she's still killing it. Like, it's still everywhere. Everyone yeah. still fully knows Kasama and, you know. I thought amongst the artists that you might mention, Klaus Oldenburg might have been. Well, I love Oldenburg. I literally studied him for years, Oldenburg, with the large scale, you know, the, the large scale kind of apple and the fruit and the, the all the stuff, even the inflatable, you know, the soft sculpture on the wall. And I definitely, oh yeah, def- definitely an influence of Oldenburg, really. I think I find it quite difficult to think of people, like, you know, to sort of on the spot work it out because I think you sort of, um, You've just got all these influences running around in your head. Like, where have I seen that? What have I seen? I'm not very good with like a lot of time with names and things like that. It's more just like I like that. I'll put that in that folder there and I'll no, copy that. And I think influence comes from a lot of places as well. You know, I'm really interested in magic. You know, a lot like old stagecraft magic, which is a kind of a, a bit of a odd influence, really. But it was something that really made me start thinking about like the illusion and the viewer experience. So a lot of my influence comes from that kind of era as well, um, rather than just. Uh, I mean, I'm interested in artists, and I think when you go through art school and stuff, you, you're, influ- you're told that your influencers should be artists, but I think a lot of mine are, are wider than, than that a lot of the time. How would it be if yours was made of rubber, like a balloon? When it's pressed and you inflate it, it will just fucking try and squeeze out the <laughs> sides, wouldn't it? Like a, a, a warm pack of butter or something, you know? Yeah, it's very interesting actually because I think so with rubber you have this. So years ago I did I made a I tried the first so the first test of the um, the inflatable I made with had the social media it was actually made out of a weather balloon. Um, so it was a balloon and I used to I connected it to like an air compressor and I inflated it, inflated it, inflated it, and I was like right I've sorted it it's, it's, I've made it this piece works. That's that and then it just and then it blew up because rubber even synthetic latex has a has a, a like a lifespan there's only you can only inflate it and deflate it so many oh, times okay. and it just no, blow up so but for a balloon you couldn't use a balloon because a balloon will uh d- just naturally you know like even for example when you have a party 
in a balloon within a few days it just looks really sad and it's on the floor and it's just like eventually it's just all shriveled so i think that like the air will escape like a lot pretty much all the time unless it's like heat sealed like um bubble wrap or packing things like that um but even then i think eventually it will escape so i think air is you know if you made like a sealed air thing eventually the air will go out of it and i think that's why it has to be stuffed not with air because eventually you'll end up with literally just a, a flat bit of yeah, you know yeah. you know but for experimental purposes i would it'd be very interesting to try something like that something that has a more organic you know something that actually just ex- expanded around the edges and you know it looked like yeah if you wasn't an artist what do you think you'd like to be it's a good question um Oh my God, that's a good question. So when I was growing up, I wanted to be a footballer, obviously. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, but that was, that was uh, I decided not to do that when I got a bit older. Uh, if I wasn't that, that's what I'd like to do. I've always had this idea of being a fireman. Nice. I've always wanted to do something in the services like a fireman. I don't know why. I think that's probably what I'd do. I just, like, I just want to help. I think I like helping people. You know, I, think I'd, I think that's probably what I'd do. That was always a good fascination from kids. As you said, footballer there. The, yeah. Most often, the, the, the most regular answer I get on this from the guys mm. is footballer, rock star, or musician, yeah. you know. Mm. Yeah, fireman as a kid, that was a... Yeah, that was, a, that was yeah, I was, always wanted to do that. Yeah, that would, definitely be the, that would definitely be the other thing, I think, the more I think about it. I've been asked that question before, and I always say that. And anything coming up? Quite, yeah, this year is really busy. I'm really, uh, really working towards some interesting stuff. I've got, um, uh, yeah, I'm doing a couple of fairs overseas, and then I've got a solo show in Madrid in October. Nice. Um, which would be, which is really exciting. So yeah, basically, I'm in a produ- uh, just a production period right now, just producing the pieces for. So the first fair is in May, and then there's a show in May as well. So it's May and then October. So yeah, just very much production at the moment. What fair is that? So it's Busan Art Busan in Korea. Yeah, I don't know. Um, which really excited to do. So I'll be doing that with a, a gallery I've just started working with. Um, and then I'm doing a group show with a gallery that I've been working with for a while, Moosey, as well. And then, yeah, the solo in October is with the new gallery as well. When you said Korea, uh, yeah. it's just obvious that they love bright, bold objects, don't they? Yeah, I think I think it'd be really interesting to see how the works work there. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really interested to see how how it all fits within the context of the fair and within the other pieces that are being shown there and things like that. Yeah, so yeah, I'm just excited to see how it all how it all um, how it all pans out. Really, it's all just uh, it's all just exciting actually. Yeah. And have, you, have, have you done any work with any of those before? No, this is new. So last year I did uh, the Can Art Fair in Ibiza. This was that was the first that was the first proper art fair I'd done actually last year. And then so this year is this year is a different one. So the whole um yeah, the art fair moving into art fairs is really it's a really new thing and it's it's really cool. I'm really yeah, I mean a very exciting period. We just want to keep, you know, making the work and make you know, making each piece, you know. And how do you find presenting your work at an art fair? Because it's very different to taking it to a curator in a gallery and mm. then placing it, or even if you place it yourself in a gallery and then pretty much walk away from it. It's a completely different entity to stand in there next to your artwork. And Yeah, it's, it's very different. It's almost like the, con- the connotations of a, of a group show as well, isn't it? It's very different in a group yeah. show scenario to a solo show scenario because you're playing off other people's works, you know? So I think there's, um, I think the curation of the, of the space is, is, is super important in that the work still have, their own room to 
to sort of breathe, but they also relate to the other the other works in the show. So I think there's a it's very interesting in in that setting, like fairs and group shows, to to see how that how they both work and contradict each other, and how that can you know how that that's the like, that's the success of a group show, isn't it? If 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 the show on the whole is is a piece, you know, in its own right, that's the, if it's a curatorial work of yeah. art, that's kind of how it. So yeah, it's just very interesting to see it all, and it'd be really cool. Like I'm not going, unfortunately, so I'll, I won't be able to. But I'll, you know, I'll see the I'll see the images and stuff. So yeah, yeah, really, yeah, it'd be fun. Did you go to the one in Ibiza? I did. First time I've been to Ibiza. Did, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I did. Yeah, um, that was a uh, that was amazing. Yeah, I've never never been to Ibiza before, and um, managed to go to. I I just thought Ibiza was going to be like just club like just insane like, the whole time but it, it's not actually it's a lovely 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 place there's a lot of really really lovely bays and beaches and stuff in Ibiza um which was not what I thought at all I just really really enjoyed it yeah I mean the, the bit everyone has got the idea of is that one little bit of yeah town isn't it and pretty much yeah it's like there's a whole area which is all just like clubs and pub, like yeah. the whole thing is just like full on the whole time and I just thought the whole island would be like that but I was I was like beautifully mistaken it's a really lovely place <laughs> it's beautiful isn't it yeah 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 and where would anyone find you and be it social media or website yeah it's i mean mainly instagram i think i've got obviously i've got a website which is more of a sort of fleshed out uh instagram really but instagram's the main thing yeah just at Ant hamlin my uh my handle yeah that's that's probably the best place really because that's where the first things go and then the website will give you there's a link on there for a website which gives you more int- information on each piece and what's coming up and all that Brilliant. Well, that's all my questions asked, mate. Thank you very much for you. Mate, I've had such a good time. This has been great. Thanks. I've been, I've enjoyed the uh, the conversational element of it. I didn't want it to be just like, you know, interviews. So that's great. Thanks. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers. We decided from the offset to go ad free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine, because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, sad art.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.